On today's episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing the business doctor himself. He's a serial entrepreneur, a multimillionaire, and the author of Buy, Bill, Sell, Repeat, Dr. Jake Taylor Jacobs. Let's get into it. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Wallet Watch. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We appreciate all the love, all the support. Uh, you guys know Wallet Watch is a platform we put together to talk about all things financial, mortgage, real estate, entrepreneurship. Um, and speaking of entrepreneurship and all things financial, we have a super special guest for you today. This gentleman has so much knowledge, so much value around the game. I am super thankful he is here, and I want to introduce the business doctor himself, Dr. Jake Taylor Jacobs. Welcome to the show, man. What's going on, brother? Appreciate you. Hey, I appreciate you having me. Um, we got a lot of game I want to get into, but okay. before we do, in case people don't know anything about you, tell us about you, where you're from, backstory business, just so everybody knows what's up. Gotcha. My name is Dr. Jake Taylor Jacobs. I'm from uh, Cedar Hill, Texas, out here in Dallas, a suburb in Dallas. Um, you know, I, we, we buy and sell companies. Um, a little bit about my story. I got started off in the insurance industry. Okay. That was the first seven-figure company that we built. Um, we revenued, uh, at, uh, for the first time, seven figures. We crossed like 1.4, 1.5 when I wow. was 26. Wow. Um, and then we've been kind of rumping and rolling ever since. Um, it doesn't mean that we profited. Um, I took home a million. Yeah. But the company itself was able to uh, generate 1.4, 1.5 million dollars of commission. Um, then our staff, and we paid everybody else out. Wow. Um, at From that point on, um, we got into the education space. Okay. We uh, bought a couple of tech companies. We exited one of the tech companies, 45% of it. We bought it for $500. We acquired the company for $500. Mm -hmm. Cash flow, 633000 the first 16 months. So 45% wow. of it for $1.3 million. We still retain control of it. We're going to sell it for $10 mil Look in about you. two years. Um, so we built a, 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 a nice, sizable portfolio of companies. Mm. Some can be sold. Some were terribly built person that over around a personality. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's where we're at. Very all nice. debt free. Wow. Uh, all investor free. All debt free. All investor free. Yeah. So what got you into this business? Uh, buying and selling companies. Yeah. Um, well, um, and when I was in the insurance space, uh, I told my managing partner or my uh, upline. Yeah that I wanted a piece of his company. Mm. And he kind of laughed at me and looked mm. at me. And I said, okay, listen, there's going to be a point in time. You're going to get in a tight spot, and I'm going to end up having 50% of your company. Mm. And I was a young, overzealous kid. I was like 24, 25 at the time. He kind of laughed at me. Um, but when I turned around 28, 29, okay. he's one of my best friends. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, he hit a tight spot. Yep. And I was able to give him a loan. Okay. Um, we backed the loan with the security of equity in the company. Okay. So um, smart. Yeah, dog. And um, when it came to him paying it, he couldn't pay it. And so um, I, I tucked in 20% more. He doubled down on himself. He couldn't get out of it. Mm -hmm. So we owned 50% of, that was the first acquisition. We owned 50% of the IMO that was managing our agency. Mm. And so we... 100% own our agency and 50% of the agency that overrides us mm. that has like a thousand some agents all across the country. Wow. And then after I got a little piece of that, I said, oh my goodness, I like that. Wow. And then we went and bought the tech company um, that we were using for our websites mm. and whatever. We bought them out um, and then worked the amazing deal. Um, it was almost like a seller finance, but um, um, not necessarily a where we ever really pay them out, they stay the developers on the back end of the technology. So even if we sold it, right. you have to use them. Because that's the only thing they cared about was cash flow, like consistent cash flow. Yeah. I forgot what country they're in, but they're not in they're not from here. So yeah. um they make a large a sum of money every month and they're happy. So we worked that deal and then we begin to start buying companies um from there. Mm. And then when we exited though, for mm. the first time, I said, Oh my goodness. Yeah. This is good. <laughs> right, right. For you guys watching at home, I mean, we're a couple minutes in. Uh, the game that this man is fixing to bring to everybody is incredible. So I'm obviously a big fan of yours, but I appreciate this too because, you know, people want education. People want knowledge. Yeah. You guys and your team have done an incredible job, and obviously this is just the beginning. Um, talk to me about 
the state of your business, the mindset of somebody like this, the yeah. game plan, what do people need to be thinking? What do they need to be looking at? What do they need to be discovering uh, when they're trying to enter your business, enter your mindset and what you're doing? Yeah, so so first and foremost, I actually don't think anyone should be starting a company from scratch Okay. in this period of time. Hmm. Um, the reason why I say that is because in 2021, there were 2.3 million companies for sale um, and only 225,000 of them um, were bought out. Gosh. Uh, in 2022, um, there were 2.2 million companies for sale. Only 150,000 were purchased. And so when you think about the state of America in itself, yeah. uh, America is built off of the small business owner. Um, the jobs are given from the small business owner. The opportunities are given from the small business owner. Right. And then you have the structural uh, um, build-outs of these bigger entities, but that doesn't make up America. America is built off of the small business, mid-sized yeah. business owner. And majority of those owners are retiring or they built their company for their children to only to find out that their children don't want their company and you didn't have a retirement plan because you were betting on your mm -hmm. son or your nephew or your daughter taking over the company right. that can sustain your lifestyle. And so when we're looking at the state of business as itself, if the goal is to be a business owner, to run these businesses, to manage these companies, to deal with cash flow, uh, to handle the growth of the company and all mm -hmm. those other things, starting it from scratch um, is absolutely the worst thing to do in today's times, especially being the fact that by 2035, it's actually said to be that there will be over 10 million companies available for sale. Um, and based on the rate as what is going right now, as long as people keep trying to start companies from scratch, yeah. you're probably going to have about 400,000 out of 10 million that's going to be purchased. And you, you can get them for pennies on a dollar. We teach all the time how to buy companies with zero money down or little to none out of pocket because a lot of these small businesses are not run efficiently. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at their cash flow, their tax strategist told them to write everything off, it actually hurts and damages their multiple on their exit. Mm. So they have to do a seller finance. They have to yeah. do deals with you that they weren't particularly going to do if their business was built right. So you can walk into a million-dollar company like we did and acquire a uh, majority of it for 50000 to $100,000, just depending on what that owner actually wants to exit. And most of them just want retirement. So that's the mindset and the strategy is let everybody else kind of figure out all the problems and the pain on their end, and yep. you discover it and help them. But if you try to go literally from the ground up, mm -hmm. it's so hard, it's so long, there are so many roadblocks and pain points that it's better to take your strategy to the market because obviously a lot of the other stuff is taking care of it out of the way. You just figure out how to maximize it and make it better where the people don't have that vision. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, and, it's, and, and you're uh, you're in the lending business. Mm -hmm. And so uh, what property would you much rather lend to? A cash flowing property, a multifamily property with somebody that has a little bit of skill sets of it that you mm -hmm. already know the cash flows there or a dilapidated property right. that they just got started in real estate. Correct. And they're thinking that this one's going to be a it's home. It's a lot run. of heavy lifting and rarely does it hit. Right. And so when you're looking at the dynamics of just being a lender, mm -hmm. I started in the insurance world. So my life is underwriting. Sure. And so when you look at it, it makes more sense to buy a business that already is viable, that already has customer base, that already has brand, that already is in the community with a business owner that yeah. just didn't, he just didn't want it anymore. They want to retire. You will give a business yeah. owner a bigger chance of getting access to capital right. or lending money to them from a business that you already know has 10 years of history Got it. of running. So even if that person bots the deal, yeah. you already know that at least this business is viable enough that we can be able to get our capital back out. And you come in as the visionary and the quarterback and figure out where the potholes is and why it failed for numerous reasons. Oh, People, yeah. process, systems, technology, yeah. all that stuff here and there and figure out how to get it back to where it's supposed to be and some, but it's got a lot of the fundamentals and the bearings of what you consider a good business. It's just for whatever reasons, it's not where it's supposed to be. Yeah, and, and, and in most cases, they're not. Um, we, we create a proprietary system called the uh, suitability score. Okay. And this is from us acquiring businesses as well as us helping our clients build more efficient companies. Mm. And when you look at it, it started with our companies because we built all of ours from scratch. Got it. So we know all the pain points and you got to be one crazy person to build companies from scratch yeah. and then want to keep starting over and over again. Right. I kind of got that bug. Right. But everyone's not built like that. And there's a lot of people that think that they won't be good business owners mm. because you don't have the entrepreneurial gene. Mm. And you can actually run a multi-million dollar company without having the entrepreneurial gene mm. of being able to start from scratch. So if I'm looking at these deals, I'm looking for uh, areas 
uh, that we can improve that is our specialty. Mm. So, um, so we talk about compensation modeling. We talk about most businesses price their products wrong. They're inefficient when it comes to how they handle their products or their services or even how they uh, uh, get their products out to market. So when you look at these inefficient models, when we're doing these um, audits, we're literally just trying to find what areas can we actually see the most change that's going to literally uh, generate the most revenue and the more, most profit. And so when you look at that and then you look at how many people are kind of being overpaid, yeah. when you look at um, based on the compensation uh, being equitable in the market, the owner never did that. Uncle, auntie, best friend is getting paid way more than they should yeah. to do that job. Yeah. Um, all you got to do is just make those models and fit it to the market. And just making the company mm. more efficient, you can come out on top. So so I want to dig in that a little bit more because yeah. you own a consulting company. You own an investment agency. So for people that are watching this that are getting super excited, man, this is incredible. But I'm starting it at, at ground one. Yeah. You've got multiple companies that do this yeah. and create millions and millions and millions. So talk about your companies. What do you do? How do you find people? How do you grow businesses so they get a little more in-depth about the companies that you own and run? Yeah, so um, we own uh, – Two insurance agencies. We own four tech companies. Gosh. We own a consulting practice, and um, an investment uh, mergers and acquisitions specialty uh, is the investment firm. And I don't run any of them. Um, we have a CEO. We have management. Um, I, I deal with reports uh, on a daily basis and a bunch of meetings. Uh, but if somebody were to be starting to come into this space and they right. wanted to start from buying companies, what I would actually suggest um, is Try to go get into a deal. So what we offer all of the people that want to invest with us, yeah. we actually teach them the art of acquisitions. Because mm. a lot of people in the consulting space like us, um, they think that if I keep information from my clients, it'll make them want to stay with me. Um, and that's not necessarily true. As the more information, the more education that you give your client, the more they actually trust you mm. when it comes to bigger deals that they're too scared to get in. Yeah. But they'll give you the capital for you to kind of execute. So with all of the people that invest in our deals with us, we actually do um, small syndications. Okay. So for every business model that we're looking to acquire, we do a syndication specifically for that business. Yeah. We've already under underwrote it. And 100% of those investments, we bought in first. Mm. So we bought in, we fixed it, then we sell the equity or the shares at a discounted rate to our investors so they can get a good first time seeing how the money flows right. so they can get a win. Now, our fund is specifically focused on financing acquisition deals. Hmm. So the down payment, the earnest money, if it's SBA approved or SBA vetted, we help these companies get uh, uh, SBA qualified. Yeah. And then once they become SBA qualified, SBA will give you up to 80% of sure. acquiring a business, but you still got to come up with the down payment. Right. Our fund is to help those business owners actually finance that deal so they're really not coming out of pocket a lot. Gosh, so you, I mean, with your consulting company, investment agency, I mean, I think uh, it's not a jack of trades. It's a king of trades. I mean, you have your hands and your brain and anything that you want to. First-hand investment, companies, people, ROI, business plans. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you've got the whole playbook. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so one of the ways that you and I met that people don't know uh, was through social. You've got an incredible brand online, yeah. an incredible following. It's amazing. Um, I want to talk about social a little bit with you, specific to two things. One, um, how did you get your brand up from start until now? Okay. Um, and then the second thing would be, I think, the dark side of social, where maybe oh my gosh. people just lean on that a little bit too much. Yeah. But let's talk about okay. the authentic <laughs> real game first, okay. which is you, okay. how you started to get where you're at now, what's worked best for you, and kind of what's the vision for the future. And we'll switch gears, and we will talk about the folks that aren't. I got you. So um, uh, the primary, the, our primary piece of business um, was actually a mailers. So okay. we, was, we were completely offline. And you know the mailer game. Old school. Oh, my gosh. Old we was school. running it down. Right. We, was actually doing, <laughs> we actually were doing mailers up until um, February 2020. Wow. So this is recent. Mm -hmm. And then, um, as you know, the mailer, um, the rates were coming back terrible. Like, yeah. it was getting worse and worse. It works, but it's like, uh, yeah, 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 barely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But at the time, we used to get, like, Three to five percent return. So you know, if I'm sending a thousand mailers out, I'm getting thirty to fifty uh, returned uh, leads that mm. were hot. Mm. So um, that was a cool. That was a cool thing. But when you're looking at the analytics or the KPI of your business, you begin to start seeing it becomes harder and harder to close the same amount of deals because you're not getting the same number of deals anymore because right. the mail was starting to 
dissipate. Of course. And so we, I knew that we needed to master online. But February 2020, I had about two or 3,000 followers on all of my platforms combined. And um, I knew in order for me to make the impact that I needed to make for our firm, like, this is not just me. Like, if right. it was me, maybe I could start it from scratch and just be kind of jucking and dancing and build a following. But I had to figure out a way for us to get more leads yeah. quicker. So we tried to do the Facebook ad game. But what I found out about that is uh, it's, it's a, they run ads. They just put a, put your name and number. People don't even know why you're calling. Mm-hmm. And they're just selling these leads. And so what I wanted to focus on was building a brand mm-hmm. that people could trust. And so what we did was we actually acquired a platform um, of somebody who had like 1.5 million followers, but he didn't have a lot of capital, any not a lot of money himself. And he didn't he didn't really have real offerings that he was offering to his market. Yeah. But he was educating and teaching this market. Right. So it was a prime market for our space and what we wanted to focus on. Mm. And online, when we came online, there wasn't a lot of people actually talking about the concept of private banking. Mm. Now, everybody's teaching people how to be the bank. And if you look at history, uh, uh, the viral sensation, my first uh, five or six videos went viral, but it wasn't because it was my platform. I bought two years of control of someone else's platform where everything was nothing but our company. So we really bought our way in. And we worked the deal, no money up front. They came on. They start off as a client. I realized how big the brand was. And um, we started them off as an affiliate to kind of see what the gauge of their audience was. Once we realized the audience was hot, we said, okay, cool. We actually brokered a JV deal. And it lasted for about two and a half years where we were able to push any products and services of the company directly through that person's platform. Mm -hmm. And they just represented the company. They were a part of the company. He was a great asset to us. We were a great asset to him. It worked for about two and a half years. But I built my brand from there. And then I started doing these JV silo deals with other people with big brands and literally putting money in their pocket, creating amazing deals, no money out of pocket up front, but doing 50-50 JV deals, 60-40 JV deals so that I can be able to cross... um, cross a gauge my, my platform and continue to grow. The, the businessman in you just sees the opportunity everywhere. I'm Dude. sitting here listening to you and I'm spinning thinking, huh, how do I go create more opportunities for myself? Everybody watching, hopefully you're getting a ton of valuable information. You're going to leave here thinking, how can I apply this to my business? So again, this is incredible. But now you have so many eyeballs. Now you have the attention. Now yeah. you have the platform. Yeah. It's, it's impossible to unsee yeah. um, hundreds of thousands, if not millions, right? Yeah. And so obviously that's helped you so much from the brand piece, from the evidence of success, from the trust. Obviously you generate a lot of business off of that. Um, let's talk about the flip side of the coin, which is social media, video, digital brand, I think is a great thing in business. But how do people decipher um, somebody that appears to be great online, but they're not necessarily great at business here and there because everybody could take a selfie. Everybody yep. has an IG account thing here and there. Yep. So it can be a disservice to a consumer that may look online and somebody has the appearance of such and they're not that deep when it comes to the business piece. So what have you seen in your world, personally, professionally, whatever, the dark side of social, what it can do for people on the downside, for mm-hmm. people that are looking for experts and specialists? Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I tell people, um, uh, my, my best little motto I like to tell tell people is content without context is a catastrophe. So if I'm getting content just from a bunch of people online, yeah. but they're not giving me the context, the case studies, the examples of I've been here, I've done this, this is what to do, this is what not to do, because these are the experience that actually back it up. Got it. And then that person who actually knows what they're doing, they can also tell you that the content that I'm teaching you is actually in context for people that have already done this. So if I'm online and I'm taking someone's Bible gospel as the truth, but I don't know what phase they are in their life, I don't know, okay, you said that you launched this brand and made $100,000, but you failed to tell us that you had 30,000 people on an email list and a text list. Yeah. So I'm buying your product, I'm buying your course with with lacking the context yeah. that you've been doing this five, six, seven, eight, even 10 years prior to even coming online. Mm-hmm. So when people see my... Um, uh, us grow like a meteor online, they forgot I've been running a million dollar a year business since 26 years old. Right. So by the time I got online, which is starting at 2017, 2017 so from 2017, 18, 19, you're talking about three years right. of me running a million dollar a year shop offline. Mm-hmm. So coming online, it was just an amplification of what I already was doing. Right. 
siloed in the darkness of being off off social media. So what I would tell people, if you look, if you think that you're interested to hear somebody, if they're teaching more than they're actually applying or acquiring or doing whatever they're saying that they're doing, then you probably should judge in a different way mm-hmm. what their expertise is and if they actually can take you uh, t- to wherever you're trying to go. Yeah, you dig a little deeper, which is you know, social media is everybody's sports center highlight. Yeah, uh, a lot of oh, people, for sure. A lot of people talk about touchdown passes sure. and Super Bowls, but the question is, are they Patrick Mahomes? Have they been there, yes. putting in the work to get it all going, yes. or are they a starter? And if you're, you know, if you're just starting in the very beginning and you haven't actually experienced all that, it's okay to talk about it, but don't be a pretender. Yes. I, I love the context thing. Yes. And then obviously you got to have the evidence of success. And and in your business and mine, it's wins, it's clients, it's evidence, it's proof, and telling people backstories yes. of pain, yes. gain, growth, and all and, that and, adds a ton to it. And, and to add to that, it's also the context of your losses. Mm-hmm. Like the beautiful like, thing. Like like I tell people. Everyone talks about like the, the the money that we've been able to make, but I also tell people when I when I didn't go um, and I didn't follow my own due diligence plan, right? And how we lost thirty three point five million dollars in forty five days, right? Not opportunity. We're talking yeah. about money out of an account, right? That almost made our th- th- listen. I'm not that rich. To I can take a three point five million dollar loss and 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 not feel like my stomach is of course come on even if you could you still come don't feel on good. listen and it's real come on yeah and so that's the piece got it that people got to understand so if that person that you're following is only giving you the highlights correct they're not telling you the low lights they're not giving you context of how they navigated almost quitting and shutting down mm-hmm. having to downsize we went from fifty two full time staff and employees to twelve right when we took a hit. See, that's the piece that people don't understand. But people need to know that. They got to know that so that they know, okay, if I do have to downsize, what does that look like? How do I pivot? How do I how do I make sure that, okay, how do I get back efficient without all these other things? How mm-hmm. do I handle this? And that's when we talk about private banking, what stabilized the company was the fact that I actually practiced private banking. Sure. So I'm able to use the concept of private banking and show it in action mm-hmm. to prove that this is the game that you need to play in the sacrifices that you need to uh, that you have to think about if you want to run a big shot. And I think that's what smart business people do is they're okay expressing the losses because yeah. what they really are are lessons. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is authentic people, authentic business, everybody takes a loss. It's yep. how do they learn from it yep. and move forward. And so the downside to social is when everything appears like it's great, and there's no experience, or everything appears like it's always been on and positive, it's not factual. Yeah. Whether it's a, a relationship with a best friend, whether it's a relationship or marriage with a partner, whether it's a business, there are hiccups and losses and things here and there. And I always find that interesting for the people I find online. It's like, I want them to be authentic. Tell yeah. me where you got your bumps and bruises. Facts. That's part of it. And for the younger generation, if they're just looking online and all they see is wins, it makes them feel like, oh, this is this easy. And I can get to the spot here and there when it's not true. They have to know there's a lot of mud that you got to get through in the meantime. And then yeah. if they end up getting in the mud, when somebody misrepresents what the path looks like, it hits them too hard. Yes. They don't know how to bounce back and lose yes. and it can shut them down and put them in the dark. And that's what I see on social, which is it's okay to celebrate the wins, but celebrate the losses because it's it's all part of the journey. Yes. And people have to understand that. And I think that's the dark side of not giving the the negative to the business piece. You and I know, dude, being self-employed, entrepreneurs, this, that, and the other, it is a tough, tough game. It's terrible. It's a ton of time. Yeah. It's a ton of pain. You're trading a stuff down the way. Now, the, <laughs> the path at the end, the creation for yourself, for your clients, for your family, for the business, the ROI, the financial piece, it's all worth it. Yes. But people have to understand that the path ain't that smooth. It ain't that easy. And there are, It's listen. not zero to hero. Oof. And you know, two minutes. And this is where I think people like you can dig in deep for communities and cultures and business owners and people and say, look, it's okay. This is the real, but I think this is why people are drawn to you because it's okay to talk about the mud and the losses. And it happens all the time. Even when you get big and good, you're still going to take an L here and there. It's just a matter of how you bounce back from it. And, and, oh my gosh. And and to, oh my gosh, to add to that, it's like, you're not always going to be liquid either. Correct. Like, (laughs) like, your company could be worth $30 million. Correct. And you could be in a position where you're not liquid to even cover all of staff mm-hmm. because of a hit or because of sure. a, a, a product went down. Um, uh, our loss was because of a bad merger. Mm. 
So um, I never did a merger before. Mm. And I felt like everything I touched turned to gold. So like, why not? And so we we did over um, we did over twelve million dollars our first nine months wow. of this merger, but there were so many freaking red yeah. flags and signs that it was going to collapse faster than you can imagine. Mm. And a lot of it had to do because I didn't follow my gut when I told them we needed to do our paperwork first. Mm-hmm. Let's get the understanding of roles and responsibilities. Let's get the understanding of the flow of how products get produced out. And there's right. all these things. We just kind of got together. All of us had big brands. All of us had good products. Let's just go ahead and put it to the market. And I even went against my better judgment on yeah. that. So that $3.5 million loss wasn't really a loss because if you look at the money that we made. Yeah. But it hit me harder because I wasn't expecting it. So, you know, we giving bonuses, past imagination. We had about nine people. We bumped up to six-figure salaries, uh, and they didn't deserve it yet. You know, just sure. all types of stuff that you don't think about because you don't expect for the merger to go bad. But because we specialize in mergers and acquisitions, there are a bunch of no-nos I can talk to mm-hmm. my clients about because I was able to take a hit like that. And I openly express those things because it lets people kind of understand that just because this person's making money and you're making money and both y'all have good brands, it does not mean that y'all actually complement each other and actually can build something. Because if you want to be out in two years, and I'm thinking we're building it in 10, the the the, the urgency is going to be different too, which is going to lead to a lot of mistrust. And uh, you know, unfortunately, backstabbing has always happened. Yeah, that's a communication piece. Yep. That's a vision piece. That's an expectation piece. Yep. Of getting everybody clear early. Yep. Um, and you know, again, you talk about not being liquid, losing people, leverage things here and there. This all happens to people yep. through every part of building a business. Regardless, people need to know that. So when they get in that space, yep. what they can tell themselves is, "It's okay." Yeah. What are you going to do in this space? Yep. To correct it, yep. to move forward, yep. adjust, build a little bit of strength mentally, and be able to prepare next time. And it happens forever. Yes. It's just less losses, less big hits over time. Because what you're really doing, I like to talk in analogies, is you're building a Super Bowl winning team with a Super Bowl winning playbook. That's right. And the thing is, you're, you're, you're starting at 0-16, yes. and you're trying to get it flipped and get yes. it all going. And in the early days, you don't know. Yes. And then as you get older, more mature, with experience in there, you start to build it all out. And That's then people right. come to you, and what you're saying now is, hey, like, now I can advise my clients on yes. why this isn't the right play. Yes. This isn't the right player. Yes. Here's how we run practice. Yes. Everything under the sun. Yes. But people have to understand it's like, you know, t- telling somebody you can be a boxer, get in the ring, you're not going to get a hit. No, no, no. <sighs> it's a ton of work. Yes. You're going to take a lot of losses. You're going to get hurt physically yeah. and mentally. But, yeah. but, but hard work and dedication, full commitment is the ultimate game and being honest and authentic about the journey is part of what people need to hear. I think people study the wins of the people that they admire more than their losses. Mm. And I study the losses more than the wins. So if if somebody were to uh, look at, if our, if our company got into a place where we had a liquidity issue, just a, a deal didn't go through, we lost a major client, like all these type of things, um, especially the fact that at the time, we didn't capitalize or use a banks at all. Right. So everything, like, it was self-financed. So I was initially, essentially, the bank. Yeah. Now that we're doing bigger deals, of course, now we need banks and yeah. outside investors. But at the time, it was just us financing ourselves. So that was a good and a bad thing. Right. And so when we're looking at that, I would encourage people to actually study the losses because a lot of people talk about Mark Cuban. But what they fail to realize is that before he sold his tech company, I mean, his... um his company to uh, Yahoo, his company was about to go bankrupt. They were six months to a year away from going bankrupt. Insane. Before they sold their company to Yahoo. Right. For $6 billion. Wow. Incredible. People, (laughs) you know, people, so that's that's a great example because what I want people to take away from this too is like people should be your... Obsessed with the journey and obsessed with the process and obsessed with the behind the scenes as mm-hmm. well, because that's the totality of getting to the end goal. When they just see the win online, yeah. they have no backstory. No backstory. Right? If I was trying to, I mean, I would want to see behind the scenes. Yeah. It's like a movie, you know, wonderful relationships or marriages or whatever, when they end up great at 70 years old and you're holding hands and blah, 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 and you're like, we, we, we got it right. What you want to see is, Yes, you want to see holding hands, we got it right, but you want to see from the day they met to here. And I guarantee you, if you ran that movie back, yep. business, personal, whatever, there are so many things behind the scenes, processes, kids, journeys, frustrations here and there. And that's a full picture of marriage. Yes. Like you're painting a 
full picture of a business and the growth and the ups and downs. This is what people need to know about it to set good expectations. So that way, if they want to do it or they're coming to you or following somebody online, the fullness of it matters the most. And this is where I think the social media piece of it, just give us snippets of the good without the fullness of the bad. I don't want to see one clip of a movie. I'm trying to see you from start to finish good and bad, everything in between, <laughs> yeah. because that will nurture someone's brain the proper way. Yeah. And I think that's why sometimes in today's society, people run into a little bit of a hiccup and emotionally they don't know what to do with it, yes. but also they've never been through hiccups. So their brain can't get into strategy mode, which is, okay, how do I step back, solve this, yeah. understand this is actually good. Yeah. It will make me better. Yeah. Now let me slide forward, get better next time and be yeah. prepared for the next and be able to pay it forward and teach other folks. That's good. Um, yeah, that's good. Before we keep moving, what's this book? You got right there, man. I can't keep my eyes off it. All right, so this is actually my newest book. I actually brought this as a gift for you. Good. Um, I, I, I want you to autograph it when we get I done. I got you. This is called Buy, Build, Sell, Repeat. Ooh. This is a guide to buying and selling uh, your business for maximum profit. Okay. And we go through the full breakdown. There's a bunch of case studies in here of us teaching you exactly how to buy companies with little to no money or um, um, uh, or investment, right. how to restructure, how to rebuild them, the importance of those things, and how to sell them for a profit, what mm. the multiples would be per industry, kind of what people are looking for. Mm. Um, and we use case studies. Some are from our clients, okay. some are from ourselves, some are from public companies. We don't use any real names because we keep all of our clients' information yeah. confidential because I think that's important too. But um, that's what this one is. And then this one is called Suitable to Sell. Um, and this is for a quick read for uh, business owners that don't know that their companies can be sold mm. and to kind of read it to see like, man, maybe I could be suitable to be sold. Maybe yeah. I could be suitable to sell. What are my next steps that I need to take to kind of get my company ready to be sold at the at the price points that I want? Very cool. So yeah. quick, so quick, quick plug. Where can people get this book? Yeah, they can get this book at buy, build, sell, repeat dot com. Okay, got it. Cool. Buy, build, sell, repeat. And if people want to follow you, find you, whatever, what are your IG handles? What's the website? All that. Because I know if people aren't already researching you and they yeah. look at this here and there, how do they go follow you and your team, find you, and become just a fan of yours? Yeah, so I'm on all social media, Jake Taylor Jacobs, J-A-K-E-T-A-Y-L-E-R, Jacobs, J-A-C-O-B-S. And then um, our company is the Bizco, uh, BizcoCapital.co. Wow. Um, and then, yeah, so... I would say start with buybillsellrepeat.com. You can follow me there. You, you, there's plenty of roadmaps you can find to get me. Very cool. Yeah. Segwaying on that. So since you talked about that, not to give away the, the book of the game, but give people a couple just bite-sized, maybe two or three tips out of this high level yeah, yeah. Um, that people can take away from this. And obviously, if they want to get the deep game, they get the book to get all the instructions. Yeah. What are a couple tips out of the book for folks? So uh, the biggest thing, I'll start with the, on the buy side. Okay. Um, when I tell people that I'm actually encouraging everyone who's an entrepreneur to start thinking Thinking about buying companies first. Um, now, here's the best part about buying these companies. Um, most of these companies are going to be underpriced, undervalued, um, because this is a buyer's market. There are more people that are wanting to sell their company than there are people that are willing because to buy Because of the state of the it. economy right now? Well, is that one of them well, or just period? Well, uh, uh, state of the economy, um, but... Let's let's start back uh, to uh, COVID. Okay, what COVID did for these entrepreneurs, um, um, baby boomers that are looking to retire, it forced them to realize that I don't have an exit. Uh. Like if customers go out, or if I I literally don't have a thing. Because most of us as entrepreneurs, our thing is our business, uh -huh. and we only do one silo business. Uh -huh. We don't want to get out of our comfort zone, so we only do the thing. Yep. And then when you get older, typically what happens, you take less clients, you get less aggressive, you get less competitive, and your income begins to be a little bit more smaller and more stagnant. Right. And then you start looking at this business like, dang, I really don't have a way out. And I'm only really staying because of my staff right. who's been with me 10, 20, 30 years now. Mm. And so when you look at those businesses, most of them are ran on note cards and pieces of paper. Uh, I like to find businesses that still got fax machines because that lets me know, oh my gosh, yeah. we got some work to do. Right. Um, and then most of those businesses, um, if you look at them, you know, they can be doing a million dollars on the books. They could be even profiting $100,000, but the owner would finance 70 to 90 self self finance 70 to 90 percent of it because they care more about their retirement and the right. consistency of their retirement mm. they don't want all the capital up front because they're going to be taxed mm. and the tax grader most of them paid off their bill they paid off their rent they paid off their houses paid off their cars no dependents yeah so now they're going to pay a big tax so they would much rather take a monthly payment from you from the business yeah. and so when you're looking at a company you can literally go buy a business 
have the business pay the old owner. Sure. And then take whatever your difference is and promote a manager to kind of do it. So we talk about that here. Okay. And then on the seller side, we talk heavily about the uh, suitability score. Mm. And the suitability score is a 200-point question uh, uh, question audit that we do to screen people. It's on a time basis to figure out what people's score is based on the strength of their business. Mm. When I can determine the strength of your company, I can actually tell you how strong of a, a probability will it be for you to actually get more capital up front or you would have to do a seller finance based on you know the dynamics of that. And so the opportunity is open for anyone. I would actually you know tell people if you're going to do social media, figure out what industry you want to be in right. and just create a meme page, grit and value, that you get some of your value. You create a meme page so people know what type of content are there. Yeah. It's faster to grow. People are love meme pages, especially if it's siloed to an industry. Mm-hmm. And then when you go and buy a company, use the meme page as the media outlet. And then sell your products through that meme page or that media platform that's not solely dependent on your personal brand to be able to do it. Exit strategies are so important. And what I find in my experience is that people are so busy working in their business, they never work on it. Mm -hmm. And part of that on it is exit strategy, growth, technology, everything under the sun. So transitioning into that, when people have hiccups, COVID was a great way to force everyone's hand to figure out where they were or weren't at and what they needed to do. And for better or for worse, it happened. It's great that you have these ideas and these plans. What do you think some of these businesses that you're acquiring, looking at, readjusting, putting them in the gym with the score to figure out where they're at, is the biggest challenge for them? Is it just age? Is it technology? Is it education? Is it capital? All of the above. What are some of these people suffering from that you give it oxygen? I think Leadership? I think it's a mixture of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, when people start a business, mo- most people typically start companies because you either capped out where you were working, um, you didn't get the promotion mm-hmm. that you thought that you should get, or you feel like you're more valuable than where anybody could ever pay you. Those mm. are usually the three. Got it. Um, or the fourth one is you got you got uh, fired and you think it was unjust. And uh-huh. so now you have this fire in your belly yeah. to go and prove everybody right or prove everybody wrong. But the problem with, with that type of mentality when starting a company is that most people build or start a business or a brand for the for the high pay the high paying job opportunity. And so we we silo ourselves or isolate ourselves into this position that was supposed to be our freedom ticket, which now has become our slavery ticket. Now you're enslaved to a business because your lifestyle is dependent upon the income you produce from the business, which makes you more vulnerable now than you ever were working a job. And so when people build companies only for them to uh, pretty much self-serve themselves, now you put yourself in a predicament where you can't grow the company because... All the new income that comes in, you think that's yours. Yeah. And you can't expand the company or pay people, right? Because you never want to pay people more than what you get paid because that takes out of your pocket from your vacations and your family. So you end up building a highly well-built job than you do a business versus somebody who comes in who works a job, they have an amazing career, they make good income, and they're building a business as a hobby, maybe as a sport, maybe Mm -hmm. as a passion, maybe as a little side thing, and then it begins to grow, but they're not solely dependent on that business. So they allow for the company to develop itself. They allow for the company to find management and staff because they don't want ever to be in charge of being in there every day and depending on that income. Those are the larger differences, which is capital, expertise, technology, experience, and being open to investing in consultants that actually know, been there, and can actually help you exit. When you start making money, what I've learned with a lot of the customers and clients that we've dealt with that we had to kind of go through, most of them, when we first started working with them, they had this real like, I'm somebody type of syndrome, especially Mm. when you get over a million dollars. You feel like you know every freaking thing. Um, our best benefit is that I built four or five of their thing. Correct. Before I even hit 30. Right. So there's a little bit of a, I can challenge a little bit and like, you know, whatever. But then there was a client that we had that made more money than me. And I just really had to sit back and say, okay, who in your family wants your company? Ah, well, uh, okay. Nobody. Who in your staff have you developed that can take your place? Yeah. Ah, 
No, because you got to have all the answers. You got to be with the one, the numbers. You got to be the one, the spotlight. You have to be the one that's being seen. So you haven't groomed or developed anyone to replace you. So this very thing that you're building, you spent 20, 30 years away from your family only for it to die when you move. Right. And I tell everybody, if you want to know how good your business is or isn't, go take a vacation for a week. Yeah. You'll find the holes. To to your point, if you can't function without you, if you're not growing people, grooming people, putting up a business plan, every business should have a visionary, an integrator, operator things here and there so it flows from the top down but when you're all those people by design by control by pride by pro whatever it won't and work and you have to know your capabilities Correct. so like for an example if i um um your money only grows to or stays where your abilities are so mm-hmm. for an example i believe me personally i hit a cap when we crossed over 18 million in a year our business took a hit mm-hmm. because my capability probably was really like 11 million okay a year that I could be able to handle as a CEO I can afford to like run the business based on my current education experience and understanding yeah well we had a little bit of a momentum run so that momentum runs were a couple of million more you start thinking like, oh, I'm this, oh, I'm, oh. I'm on. I'm him. I got it. I, what? Are you kidding me? You right. couldn't tell me nothing. Right. Right? But the business will always come back down to your real value that where you are. So if I'm running a business and I can't get over a certain number, odds are maybe, just maybe, you have reached your limit on what you can do to take the company to the next level. That's why I tell people all the time. Always build your company for the exit or make it suitable to sell, Mm -hmm. which means that you can sell your position. You can sell the business. You can sell some equity. You don't have to sell the whole thing. It just depends on how you see it. So if I know that I've only experienced running a $200,000 a year running business, I can go get an executive at a company that's running $10 million a year, pay them $80,000 to $150,000 a year. If I'm paying myself Let's say I'm, let's pay my, say I'm paying myself two hundred. We're doing a half a million. Yeah. Let's give us some room. I I can say okay. Let me pay myself fifty thousand. Let me go get this executive that's running a ten million, twenty million dollar company. Pay them eighty to one hundred fifty. Give them a little bit of equity that gives us some room. I do have to take a lesser lifestyle. Have to take lesser income. But now I have somebody in a position who is capable. Correct. And that's been in a position to running a ten million dollar plus shop. Correct. Which means I lose, I have to let go of my ego. Well, letting go of my ego, people don't want to move position because that's the highest place of authority that they've ever had in their life. Right. And anywhere else in their life, they don't have any control. So they like to control that piece right. and they're damaging their company. And it's like, you know, could you do the job? Yes. Should you do the job? Probably no. And yeah. that's where people got to bring their pride down. You come in and help them and say, hey, it's not about that. It's yeah. about what's best for the business. Yes. But you got to get people to lower their guard and understand that. And obviously, the more evidence of success and the bigger you get and the more people that will obviously wave your flag and be like, yeah, he helped me go from here to there. But letting people either see what they can't see or getting past themselves and understanding what's best for the business. Because people in businesses, regardless, are always in three phases. Survival mode. Yes. Where they're barely making it. Yes. Stuff mode. Stuff is, hey, things are good. Things are rolling. We're creating, building some stuff here and there. And then legacy mode, which is how can I pay it forward and build for the future? And if you can identify what category you're in personally and professionally, and then make the moves accordingly, get down the road. But when you let the pride or I have to whatever get in the way, that's where it disrupts the greater good. Dude, everything I have is for sale. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Everything. When our company hit a little space, I had a nice Rolls Royce. It was amazing. It was cash. I bought it, but I sold it back so that we can take care of payroll. Smart. So like, there, there is nothing in my life except for my wife and my children, right? And my, and my salvation and, and what I believe in. There's nothing in my life that is built or man built or man made that I wouldn't sell mm-hmm. for the right price. Mm-hmm. Everything can go. And when you're running a business, you have to understand the ministry. It say you're running a business, you feel like God called you to run it. Okay, okay. If that's the case, let's go to scripture. Well, if I were to go to scripture, let's take Moses. Moses got the people from Egypt. To, um, to the wilderness. He was supposed to take him to the promised land. But Moses wasn't the one that actually took him. Sure. Because Moses lost his capability to take him to the promised land. Correct. Because he didn't have whatever it was to get him to the next phase. So Joshua had to come and take it. So when you look at even the greatest of people, even in scripture, there was somebody else that had to take the mantle, that had to go to the next phase, had to go to the next thing, that had to run that race to continue the mission of the work of God. 
So if I look at Christianity or I look at the work of God, it's not just based on one person starting it and one person finishing it. Everybody had like a relay that they ran to the ultimate fourth leg that finished the race. So when I'm looking at my business and legs, are you first leg? Are you second leg? Are you third leg? And for me, I would much rather run my business to my capability, replace myself, which is what Mogul's in. That's why he's doing everything. He's in right. every aspect of the company. Because in three years, he'll be running the actual sure. consulting firm. And so he's been abused past imagination right now, uh, been overworked, not paid, underpaid, all types of stuff, just so that I can get him to understand what the weight of that position Correct. is. Correct. But that's part of it. But that's good. That's pledgeship. Yes. You, you'd be doing people a disservice if you didn't let them go through those phases because yeah. they won't be ready when it happens yeah. on the big time. And yeah. that's the beautiful thing about who you are, what you're doing, preaching the truth, letting people know back to the bi bi biblical piece is, you know, uh, for a separate show, but that might be some challenges and some problems wrong with today's society, personally and professionally is, hey, what's the playbook? Who's leading you? What's leading you in the why? Yeah. When people are flying dark and it's all on them, they're confused. Yeah. They get clarity and get somebody like you here and there. It shows them the path. Yeah. It shows them the way. Dude. There's a better way. I subscribe mm -hmm. to the bigger pile theory, which is, hey, if you make more money than me, if you've done more business, if you you know better, I'm, I'm, I'm quiet. Yes. If I'm trying to learn football from a college guy, I'm going to sit in a room with Nick Saban and shut up. It, but it it depends on how you got your money, though. True. It depends. True. You could have made an investment. Right. It was a great hit. Right. And now you're up twenty million. You can't. You. I'm not taking advice from you. Maybe on how to find a deal. But now I got to ask you, who introduced you to the deal? Right. How did you find that deal? True. Did your best friend tell you? You just kind of threw it the up. The ingredients like, and the I backstory. I need to understand the backstory right. so that I can actually take your story. Mm -hmm. But if I can't get the backstory. I don't know if I can actually subscribe to your story mm. because now I'm going to I'm buying into what you actually are. Yep. So when people say, "Man, I can't get ahead," the question is, "Who did you buy into?" Yep. Because you're actually getting the life of them. Right. So that's that's the and that'll tell you. But people should always try to be humble. Whether you got five hundred dollars or five hundred million, yes. you can always learn and get better. But it's when people get on big business, so much money it gets their head full, and yeah. that's the downside. Not only for them. But how about the folks underneath that you're supposed to serve? Yeah. Take care of their spouses. Come take on. care of their kids. Come on. You wake up with that every morning. It's like, hey, no matter where I'm at, it's yeah. about them. That's right. But people got to get out of that headspace, get good consulting, understand that piece here and there. So, But, um, I, but I, let me be clear, though. But I learned from everyone's losses. Of course. I would talk to anybody. Of course. And only we ain't got to talk about it. No wins. I want to know, how did this work? Why did your marriage fail? What happened to this friend? What happened to there? Because I, if I can get a database... Of as many people that I talk to, their losses, yep. when I'm looking at uh, several uh, coverages and I'm looking at the field, I'm looking at the court, I didn't seen that play before. Right. So I'm able to analyze what moves I can make. But if I'm only looking at the wins, there's only certain coverages. Right. But if I look at all of the losses and when we were exposed, so I sit with anybody, I'll talk right. to anyone homeless about their losses. Right. But I'm just not going to take everyone's game on how to execute and win. Right. Because I don't know if. You really know what you're talking about. And people have to be open to having that conversation. This is why professional teams study film all the time. Yes. This is why I threw this pick. Watch this film. is why I got yeah. sacked, blah, yeah. blah, blah. They want to learn. Yeah. Sometimes it's through individuals. Sometimes yeah. it's through film and other people here and there. And I think that's what people <laughs> have to understand is, hey, the reflection piece, when I sit around and talk to folks and I'm trying to learn, rarely do I ever ask them a question about gain. It's pain. It's, yeah. hey, how do I keep my What's employee from getting Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, th yeah. That's it. Yeah. You sit around a campfire and you got an old dude that's a master <laughs> Jedi that yeah. can tell you anything about this, that, and the other. Yeah. Everybody's asking from a place of pain and failure yes. of like, hey, how do I do this to pay attention to it? It's not show me how much money in, is your bank account. It's, yeah. hey, this, that, this, yes. that. It's all the pain stuff. Yeah, People dude. have to develop that skill and understand. That's where the magic is. It's in the losses, <laughs> in the pain, and in the story. I mean, if I reflect back in the past 10 years, the best lessons that I learned, period, are all from losses oh and pain. Oh, my gosh, dog. All from losses and pain. <laughs> I've had great personal moments. I've had great financial mo moments, but I can reflect back even now and, and just say, I learned more from that negative pain loss here and there than I did from any other win. Dude. People take that mindset. Dude. That's the move. Dude, I, uh, <laughs> I'm laughing because I was in college, and uh, we were playing uh, – uh, we were playing um, one of one – of, one of, uh, the conference it was we were playing the conference champion of the year prior to, and they had a point guard who was a senior, and he was giving buckets. Mm. And I was a sophomore, and uh, you know word got out he was talking mess about everything he gonna do to me and you know whatever. Sure. So the first half I got in foul trouble. Uh, he had like fourteen the first half. I had two points. So mm. he walks up to my coach, 
And he's like, uh, oh, this your point guard? It's going to be sweet. So I, I went to the um, <laughs> I went to the uh, locker room and coach just stared at me. He looked at me. He said, what you going to do? I said, just give me the ball. Scored 31 points in the second half. Now, so when we go to film, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm him. Like, I'm right. not. Coach, you better not show. Coach literally the entire film session only showed all of my mistakes. Wow. Where wow. I was off, where I missed the position. Right, you missed where, the pick. Where, you did the, he didn't show you hitting three threes in a row. He no, showed, right. he, he showed not one, nothing of me good. Right. So I'm sitting there like, what? Right. What about him? What right. and what he was teaching me? Everybody, I'm I'm scorching. I am right. hot. Right. Coach said, if you want to be a winner in life, on even your best days, your best game, go back and watch film on everything you did wrong. Do not give yourself the satisfaction on sitting on your loins and thinking that you made it because you haven't made it anywhere. And he right. said, let me tell you something: the people that's trying to get to a destination to make it will never outproduce the people that just, they're lifers. Mm-hmm. He said, let me give you this analogy, uh, Jacobs. He said, when you go to, if somebody were to go to prison, the people you should be most fearful of are the people that are do- serving double sentences of life. Mm-hmm. Not the ones that got a five-year, a 16-month bid, have a 10-year bid, because they're in that game for the rest of their life. Right. He says, so if you want to be great at anything in this, in this, whether it's basketball or in your career, be a lifer at what you do mm. because you can always outpace and outproduce because even on your worst days, you don't take it to heart because you know you're not going anywhere. Right. So I will be back tomorrow. He said, that's what I was trying to teach you. And I went on like a five, six game, 30 point uh, scoring spree, and only looking at my weaknesses. Right. And it made me such a much better leader because I'm able to see things because I'm not ever looking at myself. That's amazing. And what he did is he changed your perspective. Oh, he told me up. He changed your perspective of how though. you see yourself I and you mad. also see the future. Yeah, you're going to be mad when you're young and you're on because you want all of that praise. Mm-hmm. But that person at that time was wiser than you and said, like, that's great. But if you continue to make these mistakes and you do this, blah, 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 there's still room for improvement. Yep. So focus on this. Don't focus on that. Yep. Which is obviously for you what you're doing in life with the business piece here and there. Okay, before I get get you out of here, um, talk to me about target audience and detail specifics. Who can you help? Who can you not help? Who's right for you right now? Who's not? Do you do real estate? Do you do mortgage? Is it business consulting? Yeah. And then what are the biggest opportunities you see in today's economy? Like yes. what what companies specifically yes. are going under the most opportunities? Yes. So I got you. B- both those. Who's for you and what do you see? Um, who's not for me is anyone that's outside the business space. Okay. Um, so if you're running a, a real estate business, mm-hmm. I can help you with the efficiencies and the models of your business. Yep. But if 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 helping you with a real estate deal, mm-hmm. uh, that's not that's I'm not. Yeah, in yeah, that. yeah. Um, but when it comes to business, um, we special we specialize majority in service based companies. Okay. Um, a product based companies. There's a lot service of based. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of nuances. So if I wanted to go buy a company. Um, so that I could buy them out and then liquidate all their assets okay. or leverage their assets, I would probably use a product-based or equipment-heavy focus company. But I, I really love service-based industries. Okay. And I love business models where it's a need-based, service-based industry. For an example, all of the tech companies that we own, they're all enterprise software companies. Okay. So these are companies that once a business owner is on this technology, their dependency on that technology is is needed where they will pay for the technology before they even pay for their mortgage. 100%. Oh, or and work. I'm a victim of that in a good way, <laughs> yeah. but that's very smart. Yeah, it's, it's true. Like I'm not going to shut down what makes us business. No. I'll call the bank. I'll figure this stuff out, but I'm not shutting down this thing. Correct. Those are the technologies that we have. So we have an accounting and bookkeeping software. We have an advisory software for mm. people that are in the insurance industry that practice private banking, that are agents. We have a, a marketing automation technology that does email automation, website building, uh, drag and drop. It has scheduling on there. It keeps analytics. It has, uh, you can have your products, your services, your memberships, all on the technology. And we build new templates every freaking day. Wow. Um, and then we have a lending platform, which is a peer-to-peer lending mm. for communities that want to, uh, if they have a group or they have a coaching program or you have a church or you have people that you just want to lend to, yeah. up to $1,000, you can lend money to and from each other, mm. uh, up to 35% interest that you want to charge. Okay. Um, and um, it automatically drafts the money out your account, puts it back in theirs. It just does that thing on its own. Service and it space. 
creates the, but those are service based things. I get it. You're, and t- so, you're talking to me with that stuff. I'm like, I can't get off it. That's my engine. That's yeah, my life. Plan. Yeah. Smart. So, so those things. And so the, the, the thing that people should be looking for, if you're looking to acquire a business, go look at the businesses that these young kids don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Those are the best businesses that you can be pretty much be able to get into seller finance it and they already have staff management and those things in place right and we like to look at deals between the one million to eight million dollar revenue in a year mark okay because what people fail to realize the sticker sign can say four million dollars mm. that is two million companies up for sale right now last year only one hundred and fifty thousand actually got purchased dang so when you're able to give that statistic to the person selling the company that's already not run efficiently you're like hey dude Right, like, right, if right, I right. Leave Who you, cares about the sticker? No. Right. If I leave you, right. there, there, somebody may not come back to this door. Mm. So let's right. I, let's work a deal. Right. Let me get you $50,000 down in cash. Perspective. That's right. Let me, what? Okay, you got $100,000 in your company account. So we're going to use that $100,000 plus the $50,000 that we have. Now you got $150,000 down payment. Keep the cash. Yeah, yeah. And then we can work from there. Okay, we'll finance... The other six hundred thousand will give you actual rate that you that you feel like you're owed. Yeah, but we're gonna do it over a ten year payment plan. Yeah, uh, yeah, do it fair. Yeah, and so then you structure it out like that. They love it. And when you work deals like that, it's easy to work those deals. And so that's why I would tell people focus on service base. Don't shoot for the home run. Yeah, get to first base. Right. Get a layup. Right. Get to the free throw line. Small wins. Get a chippy. Small wins. Those things matter because if you build a business full of ugly businesses or or um, line drives or getting to first base. Well, all you got to do is have three people get to first base one time. Mm-hmm. Nobody get it out, mm-hmm. and then before you know it, everybody coming home for a run. Right. So if you look at it like that, it'll literally help people and how they look at things, and then um, it'll it'll definitely help you out. And then the last thing I want to give you, if you already have a great business model, you love it, and you're trying to grow your customers, growing customers through acquisition is the very best and the easiest way to grow. This is what I mean. Say you had a um, say you had a pool business. Um, let's say you clean pooling. Okay. Um, I can tell you right now, if you go to bizbysell.com, you can go look up pool contracts. There are people who've had these pool contracts for 10, 20 years uh-huh. with establishments, apartment uh-huh. complexes, selling it for 80000 You uh-huh. could put 10000 down, sell or finance the rest, and immediately have grown your business with the contracts that they have that's already been revenue and that already has a history of those things. So you didn't never have to go to social media. You mm-hmm. never have to go and dance. Got it. You never have to do any of that thing. <laughs> but with ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars down, you can acquire that. And if you were to use an SBA loan, seven yeah. A loan, they'll finance seventy to eighty percent. But if you can go get financing or use your business, whatever the case is, versus you know getting ten thousand dollars to go on vacation, you can use that same ten thousand dollars and actually go put down on buying customers that already exist. Mm. So customer acquisition, mm. finding businesses that got your clientele, buying that company, cross-selling, and then those are all the type of things that focus on service base, yeah. uh, acquisition, customer growth through acquisition, and um, go get those businesses that a lot of these young kids don't want. They want those growth funds. Everyone's trying to be a billionaire. Right. Everyone's trying to hit a home run. Right. And none of them even know how to hit the ball. Mm-hmm. Just bunt, hit it. Get on first base and slowly make your way around. Before you know it, you'll be just fine. So last fun question. As a businessman, <laughs> I really become obsessed with certain things. But yeah. there's something out there right now that I've become obsessed with. It's on the horizon. Um, I'm fixing to dig into it hard. But as a businessman, I want to get your opinion on this. What is your interest? What's your thought projection on AI, chat, GPT, all of that to help your business and the people scale? We use all of it. All of Are it, Are you right. kidding me? All of it, right. Dude, we use ChatGPT every day. It's compounding so Are, fast. Are you kidding me? Right. But some people are like, they're barely on video. So they're like, there's no way a uh, robot's going to be able to do this. Blah, blah, blah. And Dude, guess what? What? Those are the businesses we buy. Correct. Correct. Those are the businesses we buy. Right. We literally, like, copywriter. If you have a full-time copywriter, you're talking about anywhere from five to 10000 a month, depending mm-hmm. on how good they are. Or if you just if you just get one based on what you need, you're talking about any they're charging they're high ticket. So you know they're all charging five, ten thousand dollars unreasonably um to for to copyright a sales script for you. Right. Chat GPT does it. It's and then if you learn how to prompt them, correct, they end up like I'll give y'all I'll give y'all one. Uh, if you were to go to Chat GPT, whoever your favorite famous mentor is, have Chat GPT give you advice as that person. And they will literally give you advice as if you were, if, if they were Ray Dalio. Yeah. 
in all of right. the history and strategies right. that they use and tell you exactly how to navigate it. So if people are not using technology, you're absolutely losing your mind. And it does not take away from your staff. It you doesn't. should be telling your staff, you need to figure out right. how to replace yourself with AI technology yeah. and learn how to be so needed right. using it that we 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 can't let let you go. It's only gonna be the it's only gonna replace the people that refuse to evolve with it and learn the prompts and things here and there. But I think it's over people's head on how big and how fast yep. AI and stuff's gonna happen. Yep. Um. You know the thing about that component is it's just people need to dig into it. I, once I discovered, I lay in bed at night and prompt, prompt, prompt things here dude. and there. But it's compounding so fast. Dude. Dude, if people don't get involved a year or two or three for now, it's game over. The, the people that adapted these these next two or three years yep. are going to make the most money. Correct. Because here's the thing. When the world is ready to accept it, mm -hmm. that's when it becomes oversaturated again. Yeah. It becomes hard to do. So I'll use that as an example. I didn't want to get on social media. The timing of me getting on social media was so clutch because it was right before COVID hit. So now everyone got online, but we were already placed as the authority. Right. So then everything kind of blew up. But now... Everyone is teaching private banking on these same platforms that mm -hmm. I'm on. And no matter if I started the wave or not, they have their own siloed communities teaching it. So it's harder for me to reach the masses in a way with that topic as I did when I was first to uh, first at back to go viral with the concept. And so you need to be learning these technologies. And if you want to ever sell your company, right. your company should be getting adapted to every new technology advancement that it can because it makes your company that much more viable and valuable for people to purchase. Folks, what he's saying is get in early and speed is strength. The market is the market. If you ignore this stuff, it's not going to go away. It's just <laughs> going to replace you. And this is what he does best. He totally understands the game. Dude, this has been incredible. Appreciate that, I'm inspired. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this session. Uh, follow him his whole crew like comment subscribe we're always here for you thank you guys for paying attention thank you guys for watching until next time stay tuned